Unless the Lord leads me another direction, I believe I'll teach perhaps the whole week on by His stripes, we are healed. Praise God. Do you think that's a worthwhile endeavor? By His stripes, we are healed. We'll begin reading, and I want to read just one verse, and, uh, and then we're going to go into some other things. But in Isaiah 53, we're going to begin at verse 1. Isaiah 53, 1. He says, Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now, I think if we're not careful, a lot of times we just rush past some of these verses on our way to verse 3, 4, and 5. But we're going to stop right here on verse 1. Now, this passage of Scripture is quoted in the New Testament at least two times that I know of. I want you to turn to those places. Let's, let's take the time to look at them. It's in John 12 and in Romans 10. Let's look at these two places. Hold your place there in Isaiah if you can. Now, of course, I realize by that time you'll have three fingers in your Bible. But that's, that's what's called getting into the Word. See, you're, you've got fingers in different places. John 12, and in Romans 10. Let's look at these two places. Hold your place there in Isaiah if you can. I've got so many verses on my mind. I must have looked at 2,000 just recently. Y'all believe in God with me, aren't you? Yes. There's so many. I've I got a lot of things in me about this passage of Scripture. I, I, I believe I could teach you on Isaiah 53 for three weeks. But we don't have three weeks to do this. If you, if you can stay with us the whole week, we've got one. But that's, that's plenty of time if we yield properly. But you know, utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. Greatly affected. You know, I, I've, I've traveled quite a bit and been with several different groups in ministry. And I've found that there are sometimes that I prepared just as diligently as at other times, but it was much harder to get it out than at other times. And I began to realize, hey, it's not... Of course, you know, if you don't prepare well, well you understand, well, I should have done better myself. But if you prepare just as diligently or more so, and the utterance was not as easy, then there must be another factor somewhere. And uh, I found so many times the other factor is in the people that I'm speaking to. There's been some places that I ministered, uh, ministered truth that the Lord had given me and what I believe that He was giving us unction and utterance to get out. And I mean, people got excited. People got a hold of things. Lives were changed. Uh, miracles happened. And there's been other places I've gone and shared some of the same truths and people just looked at me and kind of yawned and <laughs> just like a whole hum. Just bored. What was the difference? So many times the difference is in how one hears. Have you found John 12 yet? In John 12, 37, notice this. John 12, 37. It says, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah, or that's Isaiah the prophet, might be fulfilled which he spake, Lord, 
Who has believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? You see, he uses that phrase in connection with talking about miracles, doesn't he? Then he goes on to say, Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. Now John, speaking by the Holy Ghost, specifically says that Isaiah was talking about Jesus in that passage of Scripture. And he mentions miracles and he mentions healings in connection with those things. Go on now, if you would, to Romans, the 10th chapter. Romans chapter 10. Now remember, we're looking at New Testament quotes of this portion of Scripture. Who has believed the report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now we're going to go on to read this testimony and this report and this vision and revelation that Isaiah got. But first of all, look at some New Testament comments on this phrase. Romans 10, verse 13. 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Let's just stop right there. I heard a fellow say one time concerning missionaries, he said some are sent and some just went. And you know, did you hear what he said? How can they preach? How shall they preach except they be what? Educated? Except they pray and study? No. Except they be sent. And he's not talking about people sending people. How many remember over in Acts 13, you know, when there was these certain ministers, prophets and teachers gathered together, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And they laid hands on them and fasted. And then it says, And they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now did you see what kind of results their ministry got? Amen. I mean, they built churches, they had signs. They had, Truly, Paul said, the signs of an, of an apostle were wrought among you. But they weren't sit, sent by a human committee. Paul wasn't sent by his mama. Is that right? Barnabas wasn't called by a board. Sent by the Holy Ghost. Oh, glory to God. Sent. So you can't preach unless you're sent. Oh, you can, you can go to school and you can get degrees. You can get up and talk. But you can't preach. And you can't teach. Unless you're sent. Called, appointed, anointed, sent. Sent. Glory. Sent. You could preach on that, couldn't you? He said, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. 
but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Did you realize that there was such a close connection between our beloved Romans 10.17 and the first verse in Isaiah 53? I mean, we're, we're, I mean, every every charismatic worth his salt knows Romans ten seventeen. So then, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But that came right after verse sixteen. Is that right? Which he asked the question: Who has believed the report? Our report. You know what the answer to the question? He's asking some questions here now, isn't he? You can look at it again if you want to in Isaiah 53. Verse 1, Who has believed our report? Question mark. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Question mark. You know what the answer is? How many understand that the arm of the Lord is symbolic and representative of the manifest power of God? Now, if you're not familiar with that, if you study the Old Testament and study the Scriptures, you'll find the Bible talks about that the hand of the Lord would come on the prophet or would come on somebody to be a a deliverer or a judge. And Jesus talked about the finger of God. He said, I cast out demons by the finger of God. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about that, I can see Jesus saying, Come out of him, you unclean spirit. I can see the Holy Ghost going. He said finger. And yet in so many people's minds, there's a horrendous struggle between the Holy Ghost and these imps. No, no, no. There might be a struggle in your head. But there is no struggle between some fallen spirit and the great, mighty, Holy Spirit of God. There there is no struggle. There's no struggle. Did you understand? It took comparatively little of God's power to deliver people in Jesus' ministry. Finger. How many know that, that hand would be greater than finger? And then, of course, arm would be greater than hand. So where, where do you see the, the arm of God revealed? Not too many places. But one of the specific places that you'll see it, it's, it's mentioned in Ephesians 1. Paul's praying for the saints at Ephesus, and among other things he prayed that they might know the exceeding greatness of God's power toward them, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name is name, etc., etc. What did He say? That you might know the exceeding greatness of God's power. Now, that's the arm of God. I mean, to raise Jesus from the dead to raise him free from sin, to raise him up over death, hell, and the grave, God had to roll up his sleeve. God had to exert himself. 
but he did it. Now you might you might think, well now what what was what was the big issue? I want you to understand that God did not have to roll up his sleeve to raise Lazarus from the dead. Or the widow's son at Nain. Or Jairus' daughter. No, 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 no. Completely different thing. But why was it the exceeding greatness of God's power to raise Jesus? Because the Bible teaches us that he died because of our sins. All the sins of mankind from the past, from the present, from the future. He died. And for God to raise him from the dead, he had to raise him free from and justify him from all sin of mankind, past, present, and future. And having done so, that gave us the right and the access to life. And it gave us the right to the new birth. It gave us the right to the resurrection. And the Bible tells us that we have died. We were buried with Him. And we have been raised up together with Him. When God the Father raised Jesus up, He raised all of us up. And it's just a matter of time until we see that outwardly. But it's done in the plan of God. And it took the exceeding greatness of God's power to do that. But what is the question? Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm of the Lord is revealed to the one who believes the report. That's who. So you should say, who has believed the report? You should say, I do. I do. And so to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? You. The one who believes the report. But you know, as Mark says in Mark 4.24, Jesus said, take heed what you hear. For with the measure that you meet with all, it will be measured to you again. Luke 8 said, take heed how you hear. Take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. Why? Because the measure that you meet to what you hear determines how much you get out of what you hear. It's so amazing that you can have two people sitting in the same service hear the same exact thing. Like we said before, one of them's life be changed permanently. For good, the other one be bored in the same service. And the difference is in how one hears. And one of the biggest one of the biggest things that determines how you hear is how you esteem what you hear. Esteem has to do with value. How you value what you hear. This is, a, this is a little bit of another subject, but I think we'll take just a moment on this. I have uh, heard from the Lord in an outstanding way about an answer for someone. And then shared it with them. And they acted like, oh yeah, I know that. I've been knowing that. And you're thinking, this is your answer. But they just pass it off. And so because they measure little 
respect and reverence and esteem to it, they get little power and blessing out of it. Oh, friend, I hope you get the spirit of what we're talking about right here. Now, we're going, we're going to plunge up to our eyes in Isaiah 53 this week, all right? That's what we're going to do. But I, I'm wanting to warm you up before I ever start on some of the text here because I don't want you to sit here and go, yeah, he took my infirmities and carried my pains. Yeah, I know. I know. I've, I've been knowing that for 20 years. No! No. That's what's wrong with so many right now. So I've been teaching, I've been working daily in healing school here at Kenneth Hagin Ministries for 10 years. I've seen a lot of sick people come and go. And a lot of people I've dealt with are not people that didn't know anything. They're people that have heard. They've got everybody in their brother's tape series on faith and healing. And one of the biggest problems is you start to share with them. Well, praise God, you know, the Bible said, and they finish quoting the verse for you. And go, yeah, I know that. You know, I had one fellow tell me, yeah, I was following Brother Hagin's ministry when you were in diapers, son. Well, I tell you a thought that crossed my mind. I didn't say it. <laughs> but it did cross my mind. The, this thought crossed my mind. Well, if you've been with it so long, why hadn't you got it yet? <laughs> you know, sometimes people brag about how long they've been around something and how long, how much, how many times they've read something. And, and the thing is, they ought not be bragging because if, if you didn't know any more than they know about it, after having read it that much or been around it that much, you ought not say anything about it. You save face for yourself, you know. Because, I mean, if you've been in the middle of something for 25 years, you ought to know something about it by now. So you might just look better if you not tell people how long you've been with something. Or how many times you've read it. Take heed how you hear, he said. Why? Because the power of God, the arm of God, is revealed to those who believe the report. I know some years ago the Lord prompted me about this, that if I was dealing, let's say, one-on-one with somebody, and they have terrible physical problems, or they have terrible financial problems or mental problems or whatever, and if I share with them the truth of God's Word, and they don't cheer up, and they don't relax, then they didn't believe what I told them. Think about it. If somebody says, well, you know, the doctor said such and such, and I've got to die, and this and that, and you share with them, you say, yeah, but praise God, the, the Bible says that nothing's impossible with God. All things are possible to him that believes. And He took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and carried our pains, and he sent his word and healed us, and with long life he'll satisfy us. And, and if the person is still just as sad and just as depressed and just as upset... When we finish then, as when we started, then they do not believe the report. You can't believe the report and stay sad. <laughs> you can't believe the report and stay scared. You can't believe the report and continue to worry. Now, a lot of times people don't like it that plain. But it's true, whether it's me, whether it's you, 
If you believe the report, it affects you inside, it affects you outside. When you believe the report that with long life, I'm going to satisfy you and show you my salvation, you think, good news, good news. I'm going to live a long time. Good news. Does that make you sad? Well, I, yeah, but the doctor said it. I'm scared I'm going to die within two months. Well, see, you don't believe the report. You believe the doctor's report. But you don't believe this report. Of course, they're just telling you what they see in the natural. But, uh, you know, we sing that little song around here. Whose report do you believe? Well, <clears throat> when it comes to your finances... If you're a giver, what did the Lord tell you? What's the good report? It's going to be given to you. Is that right? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Is that right? Also, the, the Word of God said to some givers in, in Philippians there that He would supply all their needs. Is that right? Psalmist said He takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. Is that right? First Timothy says He gives us richly all things to enjoy. If you believe that, will you stay sad? No. no. But have you ever seen somebody that heard the report and left just as sad, just as now? What does that prove? They didn't believe the report. And so is the arm of the Lord going to be revealed to them? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To those that believe the report. Can you tell, are there any indications whether people believe the report or not? Yes, yes, yes and yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if you're in a terrible situation, and let's say you're stuck in a rut and, 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 on, on a bad road, and there's no way you can get out, and I come by and I say, hey, I just called somebody. They'll be here to get you in a little bit. Does that make you just burst out crying? Going, <laughs> what do you say? No, what do you say? Good! Praise God! You believe that report or you believe that good news? You believe that good news. I, I know that I'm talking to and looking at, at people that esteem the Word more than many do. There's a lot of people uh, that didn't esteem the Word enough to come to this meeting. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just I'm talking about Winter Bible Seminar. I'm just talking about meetings like this. You know, we have healing school around here every day. And I know a friend, I have several doctors, friends of mine that are medical doctors and other type doctors. And a lot of times I see them and they say, you know, I, I've taught so-and-so to come out to your healing school because they have people that they can't help, you know. And they say, go to healing school. They'll do what they can, but then they send them out here because God can do the rest, you know. And they say, I've told them, I've told them, but they won't come. I can't understand what they won't come, why they won't come. I mean, I suggested to them, the doctor, that they should come to healing school. And uh, they won't come. I said, well, I said, they don't esteem the word. They, they don't really believe that it'd make that much difference in their lives. See? They, don't, they don't see the importance of it. They don't see the significance of it. And so, therefore, they wouldn't get much out of it. But if you do esteem it enough to come, 
So people wonder why sometimes uh, you have more results in some places than you do in others. <clears throat> more miraculous things in some places than you do in others. Just take, I mean, there's, some, there's a lot of places in third world countries you can go and sit up anywhere and have a meeting and man have miracles Amen. on top of miracles. But you also got to remember that a lot of times you'll have people that'll walk three days and stand out there in the hot sun all day to hear the word of God at service at night. And you got people here in the States who won't walk across the road to a good service. <laughs> What's the issue? Esteem. How you esteem what you have heard. Remember this verse, then we're going to go look at some other things. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. You don't have to turn there, but Paul said, he said, I'm thanking God for you uh, at Thessalonica. Because when you heard the word which you received of me, you, you received it not as the words of men, but the word, as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Paul says, when I came and preached the word to you, you didn't just listen and say, well, that's what Paul thinks and that's what Paul... No, he said, you, had, you, you said to yourself, this is God's word to us. And he said, and because you heard it that way and you esteemed it that way, right now it is working effectually in you that believe. Glory to God. So to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? To those that believe the report. The good report. The good news. Hallelujah. Now go back to Isaiah 53. I think now we can go to verse 2. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up, and we know he's talking about Jesus. John 12 said he was. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we shall see Him, there's no beauty that we should desire Him. You know, one thing that uh, has evaded a lot of times people that are reading this, he, he's saying that when Jesus would come, there would not be some peculiar thing about Him that would just cause you to know He's the Son of God. In fact, if you'd have met Jesus walking down the street, when he walked the earth here, you could have met him and walked right by him and not know who you just met. You might say, oh, no, no, I'd know. No, you wouldn't. Not just from that. You might say, oh, I'd know on the inside. You couldn't even have been born again at that time. <laughs> Much less been filled with the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> you could have met Jesus and said, hi, how you doing? Good morning. And walked right on by down the street and not know who you just met. Because contrary to some artist's depiction, there was not some glow about his face. There was not a halo. <clears throat> you understand what I'm saying? He had to appear very, very natural to many people, elsewise they would not have been able to do what they did to him. How could you nail a man to the cross with a glow on his face and a halo? You understand what I'm saying? No. He looked. He came across in such a way that so many people, they just, you know, 
They did not esteem him. And there was no, no peculiar beauty about him that we should desire him. People didn't just stop and stare and go, Who is that man? Now, that's, that's different to what a lot of people think. But I'm just reading the Scripture here. Verse 3, he goes further. He said, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. We what? Esteemed him not. He says, surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now I think particularly here he's talking about the things that happened toward the end of Jesus' walk down here. Especially the trial and the mocking and the scourging and the crucifixion. And to us, this side of the cross, having some understanding of what happened there and what was bought there, we venerate the cross and we glorify the cross. But, and we, we wear jewelry, you know, with the cross. And we put the cross on the, uh, on the wall. And I'm not knocking that. But did you know that in that day, it would be the same thing to wear a little uh, miniature electric chair around your neck? Did you know that? Or to have, have, a, stat, have a statue of, of, of an electric chair on your wall or something, a molding or whatever. Did you know that? What you think about it now? Because you see, death by crucifixion was for the worst criminals, the murderers, the serial killers. It was the gas chamber, the electric chair, the lethal injection. You understand, of their day, it was reserved for the worst of the worst. And when Jesus died the death of the cross, from the natural, and at that hour, it was not a glorious scene. It was an ignoble scene. And the people that stood around about, in their minds, they esteemed him not. And they looked at him and they said, he must be smitten of God. Cursed, if it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Are you with me? Are you thinking with me? It's important to understand these things. Read it again. Verse 3. He is what? Despised. And what? Rejected of men. A man of sorrows. And acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He is despised. He said it again. He's despised. I mean, you remember the soldier spit in his face? Is that right? Slapped him? Treated him like the scum of the earth, you understand? Nailed him to a... I mean, anybody that had any honor, even if they, you know, blew it badly, if they had any kind of honor, they didn't have to die on the cross. 
Only the scum died on the cross. I mean, it was absolutely one of the worst reproaches. Just say, have somebody in your family that was killed and crucified on the cross, it was a stigma to your whole family. It was such a shame, such an embarrassment. And yet that's the way the Master died. Everybody was not around the cross there praising God for what was happening, cognizant and aware that the sins of mankind were being paid for. No, 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 no. Hey, even the, uh, the leaders came out to mock. You remember that? I mean, now these guys, usually, usually you wouldn't have found them anywhere near a place like this. But today, these Sadducees and Pharisees and rulers, they're, they're out mocking. They said, he didn't look so big now. If, you, if you're really who you say you are, come down. Demonstrate. Oh, he said he trusted in God. Look at him now. And of course the people, when they saw, especially the leaders and the doctors of the law out there, then everybody that passed by looked and thought, boy, he must be a wicked guy. Because look, God has judged him. Did you see what it said? The last phrase of verse 4. We did esteem him what? Stricken, now stricken and smitten of God, afflicted. That, that's saying that the people esteemed him as being struck by God, being smote by God, being afflicted by God. They looked at that and they said, uh, see, he, he's got, we heard people say that he was a cult leader. We heard people say this and that. It's got to be true. Look what God's done to him. God has judged him. If he was a good man, if he was this, God would never have never allowed him to be reproached and to die like, not like this. So the cross is not a place of honor. But notice the next verse. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. It was not because of a transgression or a sin of his that he was there, but this is the great substitution. It was our transgressions. It was our iniquities. It was the punishment that would have come on us. The wages of sin is death. And all of us had sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we should have borne that death and that punishment. But Jesus took our place. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off 
out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken, or as the Hebrew literally says, was the stroke upon him. And he made his grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, or as the margin says, deaths, plural. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he's poured out his soul to death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Glory to God. The great redemptive chapter here. Isaiah is seeing into the realm of the Spirit, seeing many hundreds of years into the future. Now, did you hear what I said? He's seeing in the Spirit. I said he's seeing in the Spirit. Not the natural. In the Spirit. And he's seeing hundreds of years in the future. And he sees Jesus becoming our substitute. He saw that in the Spirit. Now see, the people that stood around the cross and saw Jesus die, the women, John the Apostle was there, different ones were there, besides the ones that were mocking, the, the people that were close to Him and loved Him, they were just confused. They didn't know what was happening. They were just grief-stricken and confused. But nobody there, looking at the outward, knew the significance of what they were seeing or what was really happening in the Spirit. I think it's so important that we understand that it was not just something happening outwardly, but that while those things were happening outwardly, there were many things happening spiritually. The redemption of mankind is not just physical. It is first of all spiritual. And then it affects the other realms. You know, people being natural and carnal, they gravitate to the natural. And try to make everything natural. For instance, let's just back up to the 52nd chapter here. Notice a verse. Quoted by many. But I want to draw something to your attention. Isaiah 52, verse 13. 52.13, he says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Now, I have heard person after person try to apply that totally to the natural. That Jesus, you know, and, and there's a lot of detail gone into about how, the, what instrument was used to flog him and scourge him and about how he was defaced and deformed. But listen, there have been people that have been killed and destroyed by wild animals. Yeah. Torn limb from limb. 
You understand? There have been people that have been mutilated in accidents. Accidents at sea and accidents with machinery. And the Bible said concerning Jesus, not a bone of his was broken. Is that right? And what I'm wanting you to see as we study this is that you could, they could see those soldiers scourging Jesus. They could see them lay him on the cross and nail him to that uh, tree. They could see him hanging on the cross and bleeding and dying. They could see that. But friend, I want you to know that there was so much that they couldn't see. Happening behind the scenes in the realm of the Spirit. And these things that were happening naturally were just portraying. Oh yes, they were horrible. Yes, they were terrible. But they were portraying something that was much, much worse in the Spirit. Think about it. Jesus was scourged and then He was crucified. Terrible, terrible suffering. No question about that. But there were many of Jesus' followers who were also crucified, and others who were also scourged. And many of them embraced it bravely. Have you ever read about different, of the, different ones of the martyrs and what have you? I mean, there were some that, you know, they went to their death singing. They, you know, they didn't cower from it at all. And yet we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane crying, Sweating blood? Well, is he doing that solely because of the physical pain that he's going to suffer in the scourging and in the crucifixion? If so, it would make some of his followers look more courageous than he. Oh, no, 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 no. When he prayed and cried out in the garden, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He's talking about something much worse than what you could just see on the outside. The thing that pushed him to cry out and to sweat blood was the separation and was the punishment and the condemnation for the sin of the world, not just on his flesh, on his spirit. Now, I realize that people get all upset about some of these things, but friend, redemption is first of all spiritual. And then it affects the mental and the solical and the physical and the financial and material. But it's first of all spiritual. Because sin and the problem was spiritual. And what we're going to study and see that sickness is also spiritual. Not just natural. I mean, understand that everything you want to look at that has any, any life or energy source in it has a source from the Spirit. I mean, your body has life in you, but it comes from, from the Spirit within. The spiritual and the natural are much more connected than what a lot, a lot of people think. Much more connected. Now, I want you to notice this. Back up to verse 3. There are some words that are used a few times through here that I want us to, to review just a bit on. It said, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. 
And in verse 10, it says, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. Now, if you're a student of the Word, and you've studied some of these things, then you'll realize that these words, griefs and sorrows here, are in other places in the same King James Bible translated sickness and pain. For instance, this word here in Isaiah 53, 4, Surely He has borne our griefs. That's the Hebrew word for koli. It's pronounced several different ways depending on who you read after but this same word, coli, or coli, I believe Strong says coli, is translated 20 different times in the same King James Bible, sickness or disease. Same Bible. 20 times. It's translated either sickness or disease. Here it's translated griefs. And in this next word here, he's carried our sorrows. That's the Hebrew word makab or makob. And it's translated pain. Pain in places like Job. The Bible said in Job 33:19, 33:19, he's chastened with pain on his bed and the multitude of his bones with strong pain. Now, what kind of pain is he talking about? Sounds like physical pain. And yet here it's translated sorrows. That other word that we said is translated uh, griefs here. How many remember in Deuteronomy 28, where it talked about in verse 59 and verse 60 and 61, every sickness and every plague that's not mentioned in the book of the law, that's also part of the curse of the law, you see? That's the exact same word that's here translated grief. If you do a little study, you'll see what I'm talking about. It would not be inappropriate at all to quote and, and translate this, Surely He has borne our sicknesses and carried our pain. Oh, that's, that's one of the greatest statements in the Word of God relative to your physical redemption. Did you hear that phrase? Surely He has what? Born our sicknesses and carried our pains. Oh, glory to God. Who has believed the report? What report? He bore your sicknesses. He carried your pains. You believe that report? Hallelujah. Now you know, there's a lot of people don't believe that report. Is that right? There are entire denominations that just don't believe that report at all. You know, I heard, and I don't know, you know, I, I don't have this verified, but the person that said it's supposed to be in a position to know, they said some years ago there was a committee 
of scholars translating one of, now one of our modern translations. It's been back some years ago. And a lot of times they try to get scholars from different backgrounds. Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, you know, so they don't, they don't want people to be biased, have a biased translation, they think, so they get different scholars. And uh, when they got to this portion of Scripture, they said that two of the scholars said, now, it's just good, consistent Bible translation to translate this sickness and pains here. Because like we said, there's 20 other times in the same Bible here where it's translated sickness and pain, and there's a couple of three other places where it's translated pain, sickness and pain, same words. Griefs and sorrows. And uh, so they said, uh, we just, just to be consistent, we should translate this. Surely he bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. And they said, several of them spoke up and said, no, no. Now if we do that, that's going to lend the idea. Of, it's going to give these people that believe in healing in the redemption fuel, you see. And, and all, they, they talked about it and discussed it. And these two spoke up and said, yes, but if you don't, we're resigning the committee. And some of them voted and said, well, we could put it in the margin. We could put it in a footnote. And apparently what happened is those two fellows wound up resigning. And they put it in a footnote. And a lot of your modern translations, you'll see that. There will be a footnote or there will be something in the margin or whatever. But let me read to you some very highly respected translations and listen to these. This translation is Young's literal translation. He said like this, he said, He is despised and left of men. He is a man of pains. Now this is verse 3. You understand that verse 3 has sorrows and grief, those same Hebrew words there, just like verse 4 does. So you might want to write this up over your words there in verse 3 if you're not familiar with it. He is a man of pains and acquainted with sickness. Now I'm reading directly from Young's translation. As one hiding the face from us, he is despised and we esteemed him not. Surely our sicknesses he has borne. I'm reading directly from this translation. Surely our sicknesses he has borne and our pains he has carried them. Now listen to the Good Speed translation. Yet it was our pains that he bore and our sorrows that he carried. Listen to the lesser or leaser, depending on how you, how you pronounce it. Only our diseases did he bear himself, and our pains he carried. Here's another one. This is called the JPS. It's a Jewish version. It says, Surely our diseases he did bear, and our pains he carried. I believe this is the New American. Yet it was our infirmities that he bore, our sufferings that he endured. Listen to the New English. Yet on himself he bore our sufferings and our torments he endured. And friend, that's, that's several respected translations. Did you hear that? Surely our diseases he did bear and our pains he carried. Who has believed the report? You know, there's been times in healing school when I felt impressed of the Lord for us to just confess that. Surely 
He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. And there's been times we've done that for 30 minutes at a time. And I have actually seen during a time of doing that, I've seen the Holy Ghost descend on people and just get in the chair with them and heal them. Because see, faith comes by what? Hearing. And see, did you see that that 17th verse there was connected with verse 16, who believed the report? And so what are we doing? We're reminding ourselves of the report. And while they confessed the report and meditated on the report, they began to believe the report. And as they believed the report, the arm of the Lord was revealed to them. Glory to God. And you know, just stopping and emphasizing it. Surely, He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Oh, hallelujah, He has. He has. He has. He did. Glory. See, friend, if you'll just get that in your mouth and keep that on your mind. Not, see, not just a time or two. All through the day. All through the night. Then it starts getting in you. And you start believing it. And it's when you believe the report that the arm of the Lord The power of God, the anointing of God is revealed to you. Oh, thank God. Whew. Surely. 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 Oh, glory to God. Friend, I'm telling you, you can just sit down in your chair at home. And you say that a couple of hundred times. 
and just let that soak in your mind and sink down into your heart? Because what's the good news? Surely, He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Well now, what does that mean? If He bore your sicknesses, if He carried your pains, what does that mean to you? I don't have to bear the sickness and I don't have to carry the pain. What He bore, I don't have to bear. What He carried, I don't have to carry. Is that true? That's true. I mean, if that's not true, what's the point in Him bearing it? Because He had no sins of His own to pay for. He had no transgression. He had nothing to bear, to carry, because of His own wrongdoing or sin. And if He bore it for me, and I still have to bear it, why did He do it? To what point? To what purpose? To what avail? You know, if you, got a, if you had a big load here, and, and you're struggling trying to haul that load outside the room here, and I came, and I, and I, and I said, well, here, you know, I think I'm stronger than you are. Let me, let me do that for you. So I picked it up, and I strained and struggled and carried it out. But then you got out there and you say, well, somebody's going to have to take it back because i got to carry it out. <laughs> i, I got to carry this out. Well, then why did I carry it out? Right? What good did it do for me to carry it out if you're going to carry it anyway? Why did Jesus bear it? Why did He carry it? So I wouldn't have to bear it. So I wouldn't have to carry it. It couldn't be His will for me to be sick and diseased because He bore my sickness and disease so I wouldn't have to bear it. When you think about it, it is so ridiculous. The questions that people ask. How many know it would be ridiculous to look at Jesus hanging on the cross his, the last of his life's blood flowing out of him. And to look up there and say, Jesus, do you love me? Jesus, is it your will that I be saved? Why is he up there? How many of that would be ridiculous? To look at Jesus hanging on the cross and say, Lord, do you really want me to be saved? Is it your will? How dull can we get? But you know people do the same thing? Looking at Jesus tied to the whipping post, being scourged, being beaten, stripes laid upon His back, and people say, Do you want me to be healed? Is it your will? What's He doing? What is He doing there? If He doesn't want us to be healed. What's He taking there? We're going to go into some detail before this week is over about what His stripes have to do with our healing. A lot of detail. But right now I'm just talking to you about this. If He carried it, how could it be His will 
for us to carry it again. Couldn't be. I said it couldn't be. What he bore, I need not bear. If Jesus thought enough of me and thought enough of you to go to the lengths that he went to, to suffer what he suffered, to take what he took, to carry what he carried, to bear what he bore, I'm going to have the benefit. I'm going to enjoy. If Jesus paid for it, if he took it, I refuse to take it. If he bore it, I refuse to bear it. Somebody said, yeah, but I got symptoms in my body, brother. I know it, but you don't have to take it inside. You may not be able to just blink your eyes and make the symptoms disappear, but inside you, you can say, this thing may be in my body, but I'll never take it in my heart. I'll never accept it. I'll never receive it. Never. Never. I know, I, I was reading in a report, an article a while back, and, and some doctors are using the terms carriers of disease. And the Lord prompted me about that. He said, did you notice that word carriers? I thought, yeah, you hear that all the time. Carriers of this virus. Carriers of this genetic deficiency. Carriers of this. And the Lord says, why should they carry it? I carry it. I refuse to be a carrier. Jesus carried it. I don't have to carry it. He carried it. He carried it. He bore it. He bore it. You don't you don't have to know the first bit about Hebrew. You don't even have to have a strong dictionary. All you got to do is read in Matthew. Is that right? New Testament, 8th chapter, 16th and 17th verses, where that uh, the Bible said Jesus healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. Now listen to me. Who was talking in Isaiah? Wasn't it the Holy Ghost? Who's talking in Matthew? Isn't it the Holy Ghost? Different human uh, vessels. But, I mean, we either believe it's the Holy Ghost talking or we don't believe it's inspired canon of Scripture. Well, the Holy Ghost said, back in Isaiah, what we just read, and then the Holy Ghost said in Matthew that this is what He said in Isaiah. But don't you imagine the Holy Ghost knew what He said? Is that right? You can search all through the King James Bible in Isaiah, all 66 chapters or whatever, and you'll never find that exact phrase. Because we just got through reading here in the King James in Isaiah 53, it says that He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. But the Holy Ghost said, now what I was saying is this. <laughs> he took our infirmities, you see. Carried our sicknesses. Well, if that's what the Holy Ghost said He said, then that's what He said. Like I said, you wouldn't have to have, even have a strong dictionary. How many believe it's settled? Surely, 
He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Surely. Now what does that mean? He bore them. He carried them. What does that mean? I don't have to bear them. I don't have to carry them. I don't have to. Now listen, now, now, did you hear what I said a moment ago? You might say, well, yeah, but Brother Keith, I got pain. I got symptoms. I got this and that. Yes, it may be there on your body. But friend, the biggest thing is what you believe in your heart. And that's what's going to make the difference is whether that stuff can stick and stay or whether it has to leave. And you need to make up in your heart and mind, I am not a carrier of this stuff. The devil cannot make me one of his pack mules. I'm not going to carry this around and maybe even give it to somebody else. No, no. Jesus bore it. Jesus carried it. I don't have to. I refuse. I refuse to pick it up. Because Jesus carried it. See, all this was typified by the scourging. How many know how tough it was for Jesus to carry that cross? After having been scourged and being beaten and Lost the blood and been maltreated all night and he was so weak. I mean, he stumbled and fell and they got somebody else to carry. How many understand it was hard? It was tough for Jesus to carry what he carried, to bear what he bore. We ought to be so adamant about not touching with a finger. You understand? What Jesus paid every precious drop of his blood to bear and carry for us, we ought to be just indignant. About bearing something that he bore. You say, absolutely won't even entertain the idea of bearing something he bore for us. Because if I bear it anyway, then for me, he bore it in vain. Oh, that's, that's, that's too much. Too much. Surely. I mean, it starts out right, doesn't it? Surely. 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 Surely He's borne my sicknesses. He's carried my pains. He goes on to say, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we're healed. Skip down to verse 10 and notice this. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. I'm going to close in just a moment here. This is the same word that we just got through looking at in these other two verses. The, the, tr- the English word grief here is this Hebrew word translated sickness. In verse 10, same word. In fact, Uh, Young's translation says, Jehovah has delighted to bruise him. He has made him sick. The JPS, that Jewish translation again, it says it pleased the Lord to crush him by disease. Rotherhams, this is verse 10, all these are verse 10, different translations of verse 10 in Isaiah 53, says he has laid on him sickness. This is verse 10. 
It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. No, that word means sickness or disease. He has put him to sickness. He's made him sick. He's crushed him by disease. He's laid on him sickness. Now, who did that? Who did that? What did it say? It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Now, I've already said to you, they could see what was happening to Jesus on the outside. But they couldn't see what was happening in the Spirit. It ple- How could it please the Lord? How could it please God the Father? To put Jesus to sickness. To put Him to grief. To put Him to disease. How could it please Him? The only way it could please Him is that He could see past it And that he could see him rise from the dead over it. And that he could see what it bought for you and I. That's the only way. And that's what the Bible tells us in Hebrews 12. That that's how Jesus endured the cross. He despised the shame. But he suffered it. How did he do it? Because of the joy that was set before him. Glory to God. Oh, it was hard. It was hard beyond our imagination. We don't, we don't have to know. And understand what he went through. What kept him steady? What kept him there? He could see your face. He could see my face. He could perceive and see and know the joy that would be ours and that would be his on this very day. And in days to come when we'll rule and reign with him, glory to God, throughout the ages. Victory here and now, and glory then and there. That's joy. Joy. But what you couldn't see, and I'm going to go into some detail about this tomorrow, unless the Lord leads us another way, is while they had him tied to that whipping post, while those soldiers were beating him and scourging him, the Bible says the Lord smote him with disease. That doesn't mean that Jesus literally, physically had sickness in his body. Jesus was never sick a day in his life. But he took upon his spotless spirit the cause and the source of all sickness and disease. And every time that the whip fell across him, you could see that in the natural, but what you couldn't see is that God smote him. God struck him with something far more horrible and terrible than anything you could see in the natural. The source, the death of sickness and disease. And when all of that was poured into him, his visage was marred, not to be distinguished, unrecognizable. And this is not just physical, spiritual. It's hard to imagine what all the sin of all mankind, past, present, and future, poured into one being would do to him. 
all the sores. I mean, I've seen the sick, what sickness and disease would do to a body just in one human individual. How it deform them and twist them around. And if you pour the spiritual cause and source of all human beings, past, present, and future, into one being, we, we can't fathom it. But we can believe it. I said we can believe it. And we can rejoice in knowing that what he bore, we don't have to bear. Is that right? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.